are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Pistons Podcast. I'm your host, per usual, Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter, at Kuka Hill MBA. You can also find me on YouTube, at Coos Ballroom. You can also find me over at Detroit Bad Boys, writing articles about the Pistons. And today, I am joined by Hal, the host of the Busted Header Podcast. You can also find him on Twitter, at Hal Bridius. Hal, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I think I have to concede defeat, man. Bryce is, just, what? Bryce is just like just like blitzing past me here. <laughs> I, I, I I had a head start and everything. I, I think I think the race is run, man. I got Usain bolted real real hard. I think it's over, <laughs> man. I, you know I'm trying to diversify my 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 guests. Try to have a little bit more variety. You feel me? Uh, but you you and I think you you and Bryce are still easily at the towards the top, man. We'll try to get you on a little bit more moving forward. To try I get, to get it. You I'm easy. <laughs> we'll try try to get you guys on a little bit more moving forward see what happens um but all right everybody on today's podcast we're gonna be talking about obviously having diallo just signed his two-year contract with the pistons today as we're recording this on the 19th we'll talk about that what that means for the roster talk about the rotation with him diallo involved in it and that will segue us into isaiah livers hal is a big michigan guy we'll talk to him i don't think i've really talked about livers much at all really on the podcast because I'm not a big Michigan guy or big college guy in general. Uh, so we're going to talk to Hal about it. Then also I have plans to try to get one of the Michigan uh, podcast hosts on the podcast uh, in the future. So we'll talk about Isaiah Livers with them as well. But we'll transition into him. And then at the very end of the podcast, a lot of you guys, uh, I've had a lot of both. I've had a lot of you guys agree with me and really like what I said yesterday about Sadiq. I also had a lot of you guys really come at me and be like, oh, I don't get what you mean by – all this, whatever. And so it was a lot of both things. I'll ask Hal and see where he stands on it and see if he pushes back against anything I said. But anyways, like I said, the beginning of the podcast, Hamadou Diallo Hal re-signed with the Pistons two-year, what was it, two-year $10.5 million deal uh, with the Pistons. Uh, obviously, I think this was expected on by a lot of us. What was your first reaction when you saw the deal go through? Uh, it was a little lower number than I had initially expected from a, from an annual value perspective. Good for the Pistons. Um you know, I think everybody noticed right away that it ends in that summer of 2023, which like every deal right now has an out uh, for the 2023 uh, offseason. So clearly Troy Weaver thinks that that's a, a pivotal moment for him. Um, you know, it's good for, for Hami. He got, you know, five million a year isn't crazy NBA money, but it's definitely set your family up money. So, you know, that's that's a box check for him. Um and obviously it gives him a little flexibility to, to get big money if he proves himself over the next couple of years. So I, I think it was a, a good balance all the way around. I'm sure he's a little sad that he didn't get, you know, at, at the start of the summer we were thinking 10. So yeah. I'm sure he's a little a little beat up about that. But anytime somebody hands you five five million a year, you can't be too mad. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely thought this was a steal for the Pistons. I mean, like you said, we've talked about it on the podcast multiple times with multiple guests. 
And we had people ranging. I mean, my original price was somewhere between seven and nine million. That's what I thought that he would get paid. And then we had other people saying, uh, we had some people saying ten plus. We had some people saying possibly twelve million. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with too that we had some reports. Uh, I believe the main one was coming from James Edwards of the Athletic that the Pistons could engage in a bidding war with Hamadou Diallo. I believe he actually said on, uh, I believe he actually said it on Motor City Hoops podcast, Rice's podcast. Um, make sure you guys check that out if you guys haven't already. Uh, but I think he's. I think that he mentioned on there that he thought the Pistons would engage in a bidding war, and that there were going to be some teams that were interested in Hami uh, that would come out the woodworks, and we wouldn't really know about it till then, and that could raise the price. So I think we all were expecting a much uh, deeper price than this, and it wasn't that way. And the Pistons, I think, got a steal of a contract. This is definitely five million a year. Isn't that much for Hamadou Diallo? I feel like I definitely feel like it's a steal. I think if you combine him and and Frank Jackson's contracts. The Pistons didn't even spend ten million dollars on their contracts per season, and that's absolute steal. Like we were thought before the season or before free agency, possibly we could be looking at like fifteen plus for both of them. Uh, I mean, it ranged all over the place, but I don't think any of us really had underneath ten million or under like at eight million a uh, season for both of them. So I think the Pistons really did a great job in free agency. I think this is a really good free agency for them when it comes to that regard. Uh, we're not going to talk about the Trey Lyles thing because I I'm just I'm not going to talk about that. But outside of that. I think it was really good in in that regard. They did a good job being their guys for cheap on good on good contracts. And like you said, uh, I've mentioned this a few times in the podcast. I've mentioned it on Twitter. I've kind of hinted at it. At some point in the future, we'll dive deeper into it more of the dog days of the offseason. Uh, but definitely, it seems like 2023 is like this big, like it has this big X on the treasure treasure map for, for Troy Weaver. Like this is the, once he gets there, that's when it seems like something's going to happen. Maybe something doesn't happen, but if you if I was betting my money, I think something big is going to happen in 2023, whether that's a free agent signing, a big trade, or or pushing the chips into – I don't know. I think something's happening because, like you said, every almost every contract the Pistons have has a team option for their second year or third year or somewhere around there in that 2023 season. And it's obvious that he sizes himself up for something there. But overall, yeah, great deal for Hamadou Diallo for the Pistons. Uh, and like you said, he could possibly use that to get himself paid if he continues to improve later on uh, in about two years from now. So uh, we'll transition that a little bit into obviously the rotation. The Pistons sit on 16 spots right now on, on the roster. Uh, how what I think we all know where you're going to go with this. I think we're all on the same page. All the Pistons fans are on the same page with this, uh, but how do they get down to 15 in your opinion? Uh, ja goes and plays in Europe somewhere. Uh, that's <laughs> Uh, it's always it's always like mean to be like cut this guy because he's not good and it's like well he's a lot better than me but like Jaw's not good at NBA basketball which is it's too bad for him because you know everyone knows ten years ago he's he's getting paid he's living it up he's you know that's how much the NBA has changed over this last decade he he's just the obvious guy I the um, uh, Magruder would have been another guy, but clearly they value what he gives them in a locker room and whatnot. They just re-signed him. So I think Jaws the obvious cut. Um, otherwise, you're looking at maybe you you have like Josh Jackson, uh, Sekou, some guys that are kind of fringe rotation guys, and maybe you you trade them and kind of consolidate. You do like a two-for-one trade to to consolidate the roster, but I think cutting Jaws is kind of the obvious, obvious choice here. Yeah, I, th- I think we all agree with you. I definitely do that cutting jaw is the easy way to go. Is to, is to, as far as it's easy and it's the smartest thing, in my opinion, just to get rid of him. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't really fit last year. He was the – I mean, out of all the, the swings uh, Torrey Ver took, 
I think Ja was obviously the the big the biggest miss out of all of them, uh, unless I'm forgetting something else. I don't think he had any other big miss like that outside of Ja. Uh, but yeah, I, it made. I mean, for me, when they signed him, it made sense to like you know if you want to take a swing on somebody who was like a high draft pick, whatever, who cares for cheap? It is what it is. And then you know it didn't work. He's not that good at NBA basketball, like you said. Obviously, he's better than us, but uh, he's not that good. Um, it is what it is. I think he's the obvious choice to get cut. Obviously, eat his cap for this year, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, you're going to pay him this year anyways if he was on the team or not. It expires this year, so it's not that big of a deal in my opinion. So I think they're just going to go ahead and cut him and wave him, get rid of that, and that will be that. So uh, when we come back, we're definitely going to get into Isaiah Livers, and we'll talk about the whole rotation uh, with that, and then that will help us transition whether Isaiah Livers could actually crack the rotation. We'll talk about him as a player, some of his things or some of his uh, play at Michigan. We'll talk to Hal and get his thoughts on all that. But before we get into all that, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, BetOnline AG. Betting is not legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there's one problem I constantly ran into. There's so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for me? That's when I found BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA season might be over, but the NFL preseason is starting up right now, and the MLB are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, and make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Hal, so I think we've talked about on this podcast, uh, I've talked a lot about Luca Garza because of his play in the Summer League. Obviously, we've talked a ton about the number one overall pick, Kate Cunningham, on here. Uh, I think Balsa Koprovica, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, that was the first try, yes. Uh, <laughs> Correct. Was out, there you go. I, I hit it out the park, first try. Uh, I don't, I think he's going to be overseas uh, draft and stash player, uh, so he's not really on the roster. Uh, at least he doesn't have a contract right now with the team, so I don't think he's going to get one anyways. Uh, that leaves one other uh, rookie that we just haven't really talked about on the podcast, and you're obviously a big Michigan guy. You should know a lot about this guy, Isaiah Liver. So we'll eventually get into the rotation and whether he could crack in. We'll talk about all, uh, not just him, but also try to piece together a rotation you think would make sense, how we could fit multiple guys in there, like fringe rotation guys you just, you just brought up, like Josh Jackson, Seiko Dumboya. Uh, but before all that, Isaiah Liver. So how how is his, his play at Michigan? I mean, I'm not a big college guy. Uh, if I had to pick a team in college sports, it's Michigan. I root for Michigan. That's, that's the team I'd say is my team. Uh, but I don't watch college sports a lot. I do know that apparently he was, like, the best player on the team, obviously. He was, like, really good, and then he got that injury and, like, really set them back as far as the tournament-wise, even though it was – I think they made it pretty far. Even without him, it was, like, shocked people. I may be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that was, like, a storyline that was going on that they actually, won, like, won a game or two without him that they didn't think they would win. Uh, but overall, what was his play like at Michigan? Uh, how was that – how did that whole season go for him? Uh, he's pretty good. He was never like the best player, but he was always one of the most important. Um, just a guy who fills a lot of gaps. Um, an elite shooter, elite shooter, uh, 40 plus percent from three. Doesn't really shoot anything off the dribble, but can shoot off the move coming off screens. Uh, loves the, like the transition pull up and and like being the trailer in transition hits corner threes. Um, just generally a really smart guy. Um, makes the right play pretty much every time. Not a not like a playmaker, but a guy who swings the ball when he needs to swing the ball, doesn't hold on to it ever. 
doesn't put it on the floor basically at all. Um, he is purely your three and D wing. The, uh, the big thing that kind of holds him back and will be the big question in the NBA is he's not the best lateral athlete. So his like one-on-one isolation defensive ability isn't great, but he's a really smart team defender. Uh, he played under Juwan Howard in a, in a very NBA style defense that was all about giving up mid range shots and no rim, no threes. He uh, he's pretty good at like trailing guys around screens, but he's not very good at like fighting over. So there's just like, there's some, uh, tactical tweaks you can do to kind of limit uh, his weaknesses. Overall, he's just like he's a, a very plug and play player who probably doesn't have a very high ceiling, but is almost just like he's almost guaranteed to be an NBA guy. It just might be an end of bench NBA guy. It might be a, a second string guy. It's not quite sure yet. So that actually was going to be the question I, I asked you because that, from what I've seen and what I've read about him, is that exactly? I was going to ask you, does he seem to be like one of those guys that you get in the second round? And I don't know if you see many of those in the second round. I don't know. If I, I'm, I'm going to guess that this would be a really good get in the second round. But from what I've read and what I understand about him, it seems like he really is. It's like a guy that basically I think everyone guarantees or would bet on being an NBA player. Like he's going to last in the NBA. Now what he lasts in the NBA doing, what's his role, how good he ends up getting, who knows. But it seems like, at least from everything I understood and everything I've read so far, like he's guaranteed to at least be like a 3 and D type of guy off the bench at the least. Because uh, he because of his marksmanship and his figurative defense to go along with it, he seems like that kind of guy who's just going to last in the NBA. Is that is that basically what he is? Yeah, it, you know, and like he isn't uh, he is not a bad athlete. He's not a good lateral athlete, but like he'll catch he can catch lobs. He can dunk. He flies in transition. Um, you know, so like he he doesn't lack for any major tool except that lateral athleticism. And so that might limit him from being the guy you want to start, especially in a playoff game, you know, but like he's very plug and play with someone like Sadiq Bay. Like you, you know, if you're, you play Sadiq as a starter, he comes off and you want to play someone else for 18 minutes that does basically the exact same role. Isaiah Livers can probably do that for you. You know, he'll hit the same uh, wing shots. He'll defend the same people. Um, Bay is probably a little craftier as like a, a scorer, especially in like the mid range and probably has a, a higher ceiling in that regard. And I think Bay is definitely the better lateral athlete. So he's he's like the best version of Isaiah Livers. You actually they, muted they yourself. They fill the same role. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> uh, they fill the same role. They, they do the same stuff. So it's, it's very much like, okay, uh, it, it's very easy to see how he fits. And so the question becomes, does Josh Jackson or Hamadou Diallo, does one of those other wings take those minutes instead? Right? Does somebody else earn it more than than Isaiah Livers does? All right. So my question to you would be: Before we get into his rotational stuff and whether he could crack the rotation, where he can go, and all that stuff, uh, what would you say his ceiling is? Because it really does sound like, um, at least from what your explanation is, I'm sure he has other weaknesses or some other things he needs to work on. Obviously, he's a rookie. Uh, what? Uh, how long did he stay at college? Is he a four year college uh, player? Ooh, good question. Uh. I want to say it was three, and maybe there was a red shirt in there, but I I can't remember off the top of my head. I know he's older. Yeah, I was going to say, either way, my point was going to be that he's a little bit older than the other, the other rookies. Uh, but basically, I would ask you, what do you believe his ceiling would be? Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't mean that as in I, – I, this is the one of the things I actually have to explain on the podcast as well because I feel like we all – like when I say ceiling – it's something that's like a disconnect between me and some of the listeners and some of the fans. 
ceiling, in my opinion, is not if you give this player every single skill possible and all of a sudden they're like Michael Jordan now. It's like what is in the realistic view of what they could develop in their game if they actually if they maximize. And we talked about something yesterday's podcast. And you guys are gonna probably, some of you guys may hate to hear it. Some of you guys may love to hear it. But if they absolutely maximize their skills, like if you maximize the most out of their skills, what could they become? That's what my version of a summer ceiling is. So, Hal, what do you think Liver's ceiling could be in the NBA? Could he be an NBA starter for a minute? Could, could, is, is he a high level, could he become a high-level starter? Could he just be like what, – what do you think his ceiling could be? I think he'd be like your fifth starter uh, as a ceiling. Like he'd he'd be probably like a slightly worse Jay Crowder, maybe a little more consistent a shooter because uh, I know Jay has had some serious ups and downs in his career. But like that's the kind of role you're get you're doing. Like he is absolutely not going to be uh, like a primary ball handling star. He's never going to turn into Chris Middleton or anything like that. You know, he's he's very much a three and D role player, and it's just how you know how many minutes can you trust is is the only real question. I think the role is pretty much set from day one. Fair enough. Okay, so I guess we can segue into the rotation then. Uh, Hal, you brought it up a little bit. Is there a possibility that you believe that he can crack the rotation? And if so, where where does he get those minutes from? Who does he take those from? Who who would be sitting out if he does? If you do believe he could crack it, I I think the obvious like question mark in the rotation is actually is is Seku's minutes. Right. That's everyone is kind of wondering what happens with Seku. Um, and because of that, it's like, okay, who moves to the four if Seku's playing badly? Do you do you move Trey Lyles there? Does Sadiq Bey spend time at the four? Does Hami spend time at the four? Josh Jack? Like, there's all these, you know, we have a lot of threes who could be fours. Livers is another guy who has the size, if not necessarily the bulk, to play the four. Um, but I think he's probably the last guy in that rotation for now. Definitely the guy that has to prove he's earned it over the other guys who have spent time on the team. Um, but basically I think whenever any one of them falters, he's the, the next guy up. Fair enough. So actually I was thinking, I mean, I guess this would kind of like get into the bigger picture of rotational things. Um, but do you think that he can steal any minutes at the, as a backup three? Yeah, I, I think he can play the three, play the two, you know, or play the the four rather. Either of those wing positions, especially offensively, is is pretty interchangeable, right? Um, you know, he's gonna on offense, he's gonna stand in the corner and and shoot threes and catch, and he's not gonna do anything else. It doesn't matter, you know, what position he is. Defensively, you want him guarding threes and fours. You don't want him on ones and twos, and not Fair fives. Enough. Fair enough. Okay, so I guess we can talk about the bigger picture rotational things now. So. How I think this is, I think this is going to be interesting to really see because I said from the get go, as soon as offseason started, I thought that Josh Jackson was going to get traded. I thought he was going to go. I thought he one hundred percent was going to get traded off the team. I just didn't think there was enough space for him in the rotation anymore. Uh, he's still you. here. Yep, I know you were. So there's plenty. There's it just doesn't seem like there was much room for all these guys here. So Josh is still here now. Now we got Frank Jackson coming back. We got Hamadou Diallo returning now. Uh, so let's go ahead and like try to pencil out the rotation for us real quick. So Hal is watching me. We, uh, when are we recording this? We have the video up. So Hal can see me. So I have a notepad up. I have a pen. And we are going to write down exactly how we think the rotation is going to go. So I think we all already know what the starting lineup is going to be. We got Killian. We got Cade. We got Sadiq Bay, We got Jeremy Grant. And we got... 
actually, I think this one we can start right here with this. Um, we can debate or give our opinions on this. Who do you think starts at center then? So I, I, I almost wonder if there's a tiny little debate over point guard. I, I think oh. it's Killian. I do wonder if Corey Joseph gets the nod at some time just because they, they struggled a bit with Killian last year, starting off like under pressure a bit. Um, I, I would say I'd give it like 70% like 70 30 odds that it's Killian but uh I think it I think starting center is probably Isaiah Stewart just because they want to get him minutes I think if you were trying to win a game tomorrow you probably start Kelly Olenek but I think you know that's not the goal necessarily so I, I would say it's Stewart okay I agree with you there's not much of an argument there I got Stewart starting uh so then that means okay so we got the starting lineup so this is when it starts getting interesting this is what we want this is what I want to talk to you about and we're getting close to the ad break time, so we'll talk about this now, and we'll also talk. We'll go in even more to it uh, in the sec in the third segment, I should say. So, but backup point guard, uh, we got Corey Joseph, right? Do we both do we do we agree on that, Corey Joseph? Yeah, Kojo. Okay, so we got Corey Joseph as a backup point guard. So this one right here, this is where the, some of the arguments I think starts. So who do you got as your backup shooting guard right now? I guess it's probably Hami. Okay, because that's also who I got. So we'll put Hami. I'm waiting to see if we when we get to our first disagreement here. All right, so back up small forward. Who do you got there? Josh. You got Josh there? I got Josh there. All right, okay, so th- we've reached our first disagreement here. We'll, we'll, let's go ahead and get this going. Actually, you know what? I'll use that. Be let that be a teaser for the third set. <laughs> we, we found our disagreement, and we'll talk about why it's a disagreement when we come back. But first, let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, rockauto.com. Do you ever need a part for your car? Head to the store, go through a ton of confusing questioning, just for one of the workers to tell you that you don't have the part that you're looking for. I know I have. That's why you should avoid all these problems and rock with another one of our sponsors, rockauto.com. Find whatever part you're looking for on your computer or in your hand using your phone by using rockauto.com. Don't worry about having to create an account or making a membership. Just head over to rockauto.com and start shopping. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest and most reliable prices. Head over to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear Bus box, they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. And then let me tell you, about, tell you guys about your favorite sponsor, Bill Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the planet Earth comes with a variety of flavors, including six new flavors and caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. These bars are low in calorie and sugar, but high in protein and fiber. A flavor I suggest the peanut butter flavor. Packed 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. So go try the Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LAC15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LAC15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So, Hal, let's go ahead and talk about where our disagreement is right here. We teased it going into this third segment. We'll eventually get a little bit – I'll eventually ask you of your opinion about my segment about Sadiq Bay a little later. We won't spend too much time on there because I'm sure everyone is sick of hearing about my opinion about Sadiq Bay. Uh, so, basically, you said you got Josh Jackson as your backup small forward right now. So, this is where the disagreement between me and you have. And, actually, it started at shooting guard, but I, I got confused. So, I, I, guard, know, I know where this is going. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So I'll, I'll, I'll write down right here, Hal. And then me, on this side, I got 
Frank Jackson at shooting guard, and then I got Hami at small forward. So I'll I'll lay out my case for that after you tell me why you don't have Frank as the backup shooting guard. So, and and we can just quick round it off, right? It's it's Seku and it's it's Kelly Olynyk are the next two names on the list, right? That that's yeah, what yes. rounds it out. So the the thing here that that I'm stuck on is I don't think we're gonna see what we've seen before from from Dwayne Casey, which is that he's like done kind of like platoon based subs pretty heavily. Like that, like he has not staggered the the starters and the subs as much as as a lot of coaches do. I think we're going to see a lot of staggers this year. I think we're going to see Killian and Cade split up quite a bit. And so then we're going to see uh, – we'll see Frank Jackson thrown in to some lineups. You'll see Hami thrown into others. You know, So I think that is going to be – You know, maybe it's matchup-based. It might be that that uh, Dwayne does kind of the – it's your game. It's you know one night and it's his game the next night kind of thing, You know, based on practice or whatever. Um. Because it is, it's really hard to just pick between Frank, Hami, and and Josh. They've all, to some degree, earned minutes, uh, but you don't really want any of them playing the four, and so it's you know it's it's hard to find that space. Now, also, we're going to have injuries during the season, right? There's going to be players missing time. Hopefully, nothing serious. Knock on wood. But you know that's where like those guys are going to get minutes where you wouldn't think it. And that's also where it's like we talked about Isaiah Livers. There's no time for him yet until some injury happens or whatever that gives him an in. Um, okay, so this is why I have Frank Jackson at shooting guard right now. So I have Frank as the backup shooting guard because I think the team desperately needs shooting, and I think he values – he brings shooting, obviously. I also think that his close of the season, like his last two months of the season um, – I'm not gonna lie. In my opinion, I feel like those. Two, if you took those two months, or what was it, like a month and a half, whatever, of his play, and you like simulated that over a full course of a season, I think that's better than what Josh can give you. And I think that's probably, I think that's on level with what Hami would give you as well. I think if you get that Frank Jackson, you just can't sit him. I, I don't see how you can sit him and not play him. Um, so, and also, I think the main thing obviously is just the fact that Frank Jackson gives you shooting, and this team desperately needs shooting. Uh, they, they spent all offseason getting shooting. They know that they need shooting. So the fact that they have a shooter and a scorer, basically, not even just a shooter, a straight-up scorer and Frank Jackson there, um, I think he gets those minutes. I think he gets backup shooting guard. And then you got Hami at the small forward position. Um, Hal, I ask you this question real quick. Um, do you see any kind of way or any kind of lineup or rotation where you could fit Frank, Hami, and Josh Jackson in a rotation together? I mean, certainly, at the it comes at the expense of someone else, right? Um, but the the other option is that you just they're all playing twelve minutes instead of, um, you know, instead of eighteen, right? So you you just cut some minutes from someone else and you and you spread it around. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of what happens, especially, um, you know, like Hami and, and Josh to me are a who's having a better game gets to play in the second half kind of pairing. Um, th- that's just kind of how I see that that working out. So this is this is my hang-up with that. My The thing that really like gets it confusing for me, right? And at least as of right now, is that if you pay – with them paying Hamadou Diallo, obviously they didn't pay him some big, like, 
bank uh bank rupturing like account i mean or bank rupturing a contract but like you paid him and i feel like tory really likes him so i just wouldn't see them like not playing him in the rotation and like that's basically i mean frank jackson to a lesser extent because that's only three million dollars but either way it's like you're paying both these guys and they're both guys that Troy Weaver went out and found. And and I, I feel like he really likes those guys. So especially with them being Troy Weaver guys, I just don't see how they don't last or are not in the rotation. Um, but also, I talked about this in the last podcast as well. It obviously seems like that Josh Jackson also is a Troy Weaver guy too. Because if he was going to be traded, I feel like he would be traded already. So obviously, they must really like Josh as well. So I don't know. I think this is going to be really cool to see how they do this. Um, I don't think any of them take Seku's spot at the power forward. I don't think they play any of those guys before. Um, I I feel like if Seku starts to play bad or starts to struggle or doesn't even earn the spot outright, which I think he will, but unless if that doesn't happen, I think that's when they turn to. Like, I think they have two options there that they'll go with. Either one, they'll go with Lyles at the power forward, or two, they'll go with Olin to get the power forward and then play Garza at the center in some of those games that he gets called up. What do you think about I, that? I think. Uh... Josh is also I think Josh is like listed at six eight. Like he is tall enough. He played some stuff there last season. I think they wouldn't uh I don't think they'd they'd go against that either. Um but you know, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope Seku's got that spot. You know me. Um Yep, you but know again, who I am as well. You know, the the other thing is I every time uh I do I think about any sport like this, it's always we go through these lineups, we go through these lineups someone gets hurt, you know, and th- and that's the thing that keeps coming back to me. It's like you, the, the nice thing about having depth like this is that that's just an opportunity for someone else we want to get a look at. Yep. Fair enough. We have to plan for injury. Injury likely is going to happen at some point. Uh, hopefully nothing serious, like you said, but I mean, I guess it's a good thing to have all these guys and have so many wings that can fill in for you at any, any given moment. So, uh, this is, I guess we'll uh, end the podcast with this. Obviously, like I said, I wanted to get your thoughts on my segment yesterday with um, with S- uh, Sadiq Bay. So basically, let me summarize it real quick for you. Basically, what I said on yesterday's podcast was, and I know me and you agree with this about his off-the-dribble game, his whole finishing around the rim. I know we both agree that there's not much there. Um, and it. I, I think we both agree as well that it's better time used elsewhere. Um but basically why I presented in the podcast yesterday is that if you look at a player, and I believe I brought this example up to you last time you were on the podcast. Uh, I use Mikhail Bridges. Now, those two guys are not the same type of player. They're not like the same player. Mikhail Bridges is much more athletic than he is. Um, but they, I feel like they kind of play. They're going to end up playing the same roles in their career. And one of the things I said about Mikhail Bridges is that he's a really damn good player. Like, I think a lot of people would have him like, what, a top 60, top 70 player? Like, he's a really damn good player right now. He's really good. So, and he's likely going to be a starter for a very long time. Like, he's really good. He's that good of a player. And he got to that type of level of a player, not from trying to become a pick-and-roll guy or trying to become some ISO player. He got there because he maximized his ability. He maximized his skill sets to the utmost utmost possibility, and that makes you a great player if you're able to do something like that. I also brought up, like, Draymond Green is, like, the best role player of all time. He's an all-star, but, like, he's the best role player ever. That's not from him trying to become something he's not trying to add things that he just simply can't do. It was because it was simply because he maximized what he was good at. He took literally whatever his ceiling was at each skill set he was good at, he maximized it to the utmost ability possible. And those are those are two good examples. And I said, 
on yesterday's podcast that Sadiq likely is just never going to be able to be a good ISO player. He likely is never going to be able to be a good pick and roll player. He likely is never going to be that good of a finisher around the rim. Like he was bad at all those things in all in, in his rookie season, really bad, especially around the rim. He just doesn't have very good touch. Uh, I, I that kind of thing is kind of iffy for me when I see a player. I don't know how like much that can be improved uh, for me. And also, uh, I believe I said yesterday he also was like 18th percentile and finishing around the rim as well. That's really really bad. And then in the in the summer league as well, he shot really bad from the field. He shot about like around 40% from the field, 20% from deep. Obviously, we're not worried about the shots from deep, but like he wasn't doing very good at creating separation with his isolation moves. He missed a lot of shots off the bounce. He wasn't able to get separation against guys who aren't even in the NBA. So I think it's time for people, like I was mentioning yesterday, I, basically what I was saying was I think it's just time for people to realize that that's just not the player he's going to be. Like I see too many people saying like, oh, he's going to be our next Paul George. No, he's just not. That's just not who he is, and that's fine. I think he can be a 10-plus-year NBA starter by maximizing his abilities like Draymond Green did, like Mikael Bridges did, and like other 3-and-D guys that if you want – and those kind of guys can be like top 70, top 60, top 50 NBA players if you maximize those abilities to the utmost possible, like the absolute best way possible. And I feel like if Sadiq focused his energy on that, maximizing like his spot-up game, like I mentioned yesterday, like he was 72nd percentile as a spot-up shooter. Okay, how about you become an 82nd percentile spot-up shooter then then become a 90 90th percentile spot-up shooter how about in transition eliminating those those ones when you lead the break just focus on the ones where you run wing to wing now we're talking about you being like a 95th percentile transition player instead of 88th percentile like take those take those parts that you're good at right now and keep taking them higher and higher until you're absolute best at them and then now we're looking at a player who's really damn good and is going to start for a long time that basically was my big thing did you agree with that do you push back against that should he continue to work on his off the dribble game should he focus all his time on maximizing his abilities that he has? What's your overall thoughts with that before we wrap up the podcast? So there's a there's a couple little chunks there. I, I think what I want to touch on quick is just from the fans' perspective, it's okay to consider drafting a role player a win, right? Like somebody doesn't have to be Paul George for you to have like had a major win in the draft by drafting them. If if all you drafted and, I, and I'm not saying Sadiq is this, but if all you drafted is the guy that starts like is like the fifth best starter on your on your next playoff team, that's still a huge win that everyone should be excited for. As, as far as Sadiq goes, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's baby steps. Nobody needs you to turn into Chris Middleton this offseason. If you become that, you know, if you if you work on all of the parts of your game and you're 27 and you're able to do that, great nobody's going to be mad at that. You can't do it now. And so, you know, he was, and, and I thought he had two bad games uh, doing this in summer league and two games where he was playing the kind of basketball we want to see. I thought the last two, he was, he was moving the ball better and, and being a little smarter about things. You know, the first two things he was, he was taking 15 dribbles into like some uh, turnaround pull-up shot. And it's just like, clearly you're not succeeding. This isn't what you want. And you have to know, you have to be better and know that that's not succeeding and and move the ball. And it's hard. It's summer league. You you, you do want people to use the opportunity to, to make themselves better. But no, I, I do very much agree with you. Take the baby steps. Uh, maximize what you're good at. And along the way, you'll pick up things that, that you know, help you expand your game. It, it's, not, um, it's not linear and it's not, uh, it's not always... How do I say it? 
it, it doesn't always happen as expected either. Sometimes, you know, becoming the better three-point shooter, you know, if he has uh, a one-dribble pull-up game all of a sudden, that might open up the two-dribble, the three-dribble stuff. You know, it's it's just all that stuff. Those windows become more open because you were open at the at the move you're good at. So let the let the whole of it come to you. Don't don't try and race it. And I I hope that's you know what the the staff is is telling him, and that this summer league and especially those first two games, you know, were just him trying to to push the bubble a little a little too much before he settled in. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Thank you for for saying what I'm saying. It's not that, and, and be, we'll wrap the podcast up here. And I've had a few of you guys, I did have a few of you guys agree with me. I appreciate you guys. But I did have a lot of you guys push back against me. And the thing is, like Hal said, if he ends up becoming like this, like I don't think he has this all-star future in him. I just don't think he has that. But if he does become that like 27, 28, cool. But that's going to come from, and like I've said many times, and like Hal just said, it's going to come from him maximizing his abilities. And then some of the things that this pickup along the way that come from you maximizing your abilities. Like if this dude is like a 90th percentile spot up shooter, you're going to get different closeouts. You're going to get different defensive treatment. You're going to get other things that possibly open up. You'll have that dribble pull up that possibly comes along the way. Once you maximize your abilities in that way. Like I mentioned today, how I would rather him spend his time. Like I'd rather Sadiq become a better off pin down shooter or off the off on the move shooter or off screen shooter. Like that's all kind of just because you're a good shooter doesn't mean you have that in your bag. I don't think Sadiq has that in his bag right now, off the move kind of shooter. And that opens up your offense to a whole different degree. Like there's other areas of shooting that you can work on besides just catching shooting. And yeah, I little think that's like go sorry. ahead. I was gonna say little things like he he loves the sidestep three going left, never takes it going right. Yeah. changing that up that can be you know huge that can open up all sorts of fun stuff so you know being able to shoot as well on the right side of the floor as the left side because you've got better moves that can that can change your whole life if you, if you work on that and that's stuff that's very accessible to him right now exactly so i think i think hal said it better than i did i guess maybe uh but just like if you take there's lots basically i think this is the best way to put it, and then we can wrap the podcast up there's so many steps that he needs to take or should be taking before we start asking him to be Paul George in isolation or trying to become an isolation player or trying to become a pick and roll player. Like there's so many other things that he needs to be improving and needs to be needs to be getting better at before we even dream about or ask him to try to develop this isolation stuff because it's just not going to work. He doesn't have those other things in his bag to make it make it work. So that's wanted to say that. I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing me talk about that. We'll wrap the podcast up there. Hal, thank you for joining me, man. Let them know where they can find you on Twitter and your podcast. Uh, you can find me at Hal Bridius. You can find the podcast, The Busted Header, uh, anywhere that has podcasts. Let me know if you can't find it, and we'll put it there. Uh, thanks again for having me, as always. Absolutely. We'll try to get you on here again, try to get you on here a little bit more so you can outpace Bryce. Bryce, if you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> we, I, I, I got to give Hal a fair shot here to try to, try to uh, beat you here. Uh, you know what's crazy is that Bryce actually says something about coming on today as well. So, <laughs> but I uh, think you double guys for booking, listening. huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I let him know. I let him know. I, that, but actually, you know what? We'll talk about the Athens podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, have a great weekend. If you guys haven't already, make sure you guys go down below. Give me a five star review. Leave a review down there. We'll, if you want to ask a question down there, I'll answer it on the podcast as well. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it as always. And I'll catch you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. Peace out, everybody.